Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, where once a week we get together and explore the many ways that weather touches our lives. Some obvious, some a bit more subtle. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek, and this week we're going to be talking about politicizing weather. Now, as you can imagine, that's going to touch on Hurricane Harvey. And certainly a lot of my past week has been in that realm, but I don't want to go there just yet so you know that's usually we do this kind of weather intertwined stuff and it's going to be related to the main topic so let's back off and cover I don't know a couple of other things and specifically I want to go back to something I brought up last week and time just really didn't allow me to go into it and it was kind of I was fresh on the heels of it and it involves two podcasts that I appeared on one is called Undaunted and this podcast is an exploration of podcasting really It's hosted by Amos, who also is involved with Ritual Misery, one of the hosts there as well. But he engages a dialogue with other podcasters about what we like about podcasting, why we got into it, the things we've learned along the way sort of thing. So if podcasting is a topic of interest to you, you'll definitely want to check that series out. And hopefully my episode as well. The other one, Ritual Misery. I mentioned Amos. There's also Kent there. These these guys, they, they've known each other for a long time. They call each other lifelong friends. I don't know exactly how old they were when they, they met, but they've known each other a long time. Both spent time in the military, and they just, you know, go through life in their podcast. They're kind of geeky folks, so they like a little tech, little nerdy things, like things like Game of Thrones, other topics like that. If those kind of topics interest you, and if you like exploring kind of people chatting about, you know, real things that they're dealing with all the time, then that's a series you'd want to check out. Now, I will warn you, it's a not safe for work kind of podcast on that second one. So, you know, you get a little language in there. But again, if that doesn't bother you, give it a consideration. But, you know, listen to both these series. I'll put links in the show notes so you can explore them when you have time. And again, you don't need to listen to the episodes I was on. Pick some others. I mean, you you know me by now, right? If you're listening to the podcast, you might find those episodes interesting, but you certainly don't don't need to touch there. All right. As I mentioned, this week, weather intertwined wise, I think Hurricane Harvey would have to be the main topic. And this, you know, it's interesting because we have these big events and we're going to get into the political angle here in a moment. But this was one that touched me on on many levels. So it's been a difficult at times, um, stressful at times sort of event. And I think it's because this particular weather event touches me in so many ways. And you've heard me talk about this before. In tropical cyclone forecasting and hurricane forecasting, those of us who do it, are often, you know, mesmerized or you know, we get engrossed into these images we're seeing and, and the event that's going on around us. And we're fascinated with the science, but, but we also realize there's real-world impacts and we have to be careful to say, wow, I was impressed by or was it an incredible, balanced with the knowledge that Somewhere along the line, there's a good chance that when it is incredible or impressive 
or, you know, unlike anything we've ever experienced, there's likely to be some human implications. And I think that's a good reminder for us as forecasters that our real goal with all this stuff is not just about portraying what the weather's going to do in this situation, but hopefully in some way translating that into useful information for the people who are going to be impacted by those events. And in the case of Harvey, for me, it was tricky because the forecasts were actually pretty good on this one, the model forecast. A lot of times, you know, we as humans, when we get involved in these, we look at the model forecast and it's our job to discern, is it good or, or what are the challenges or where, what the, might the model be missing? But in this case, it pretty much saw where it was going to happen and make landfall days in advance. And it saw this catastrophic amount of rain that was going to be left in the area of Southeast Texas. Now that said, I can talk about that, I can warn, but without a connection, that's the best I can do. So every now and then having these connecting events is useful for me to be able to rethink about how I convey a message if if I'm required to with a specific event. With Harvey, the reason it did that is people that I know personally were directly impacted by this event. I had friends from grade school who actually support and listen to this podcast that were impacted by this event. I have a lot of professional colleagues that I've worked with and interacted with for years that were impacted by this event. But I also had family members who were directly impacted by this event. So with that level of connection, and particularly with this type of event, because it wasn't like the storm blew through and it was just devastating in in the path that it created, it lingered. Right? It was a situation where it was there for a long time. And you, you just had to watch this thing unfold. One of the challenges for us as, as meteorologists, I think, and I, I believe that most folks who forecast weather and, and look at this kind of stuff would agree, is even though the models were calling for feet of rain, and quite honestly, estimates in the 40 to 50 inch range, again, multiple days before it happened. Sometimes when we see those things in a model, we go, oh, that's not going to happen. Or that's our inclination because we know the models sometimes get magnitudes wrong, let's say. Sometimes they don't, and this is a case where they, where they didn't. But it may have even taken us a while to warm up to the idea that this was really going to happen. Now, some people were very good and vocal about putting that message out there often and early. But historically, and this gets into the challenge of when do you trust a weather forecast and why sometimes, yes, sometimes meteorologists are still going to cry a little wolf. And we've talked about that in a past podcast. But always keep in mind that there still remains uncertainty in in what we do. And we've got to give people the information to react to hopefully with fewer false alarms, but still so that they do something with this information. And despite all that information being there, 
there wasn't a big call for people to leave Houston. You know, maybe they really didn't believe it for whatever reason. But it also was a situation where there was, I think, a letdown and a lull because too often people with hurricanes get focused on wins. And I had this conversation with another podcaster where, you know, exchanged some emails with them about this very topic because it's somebody who actually has experienced a hurricane and the devastation it can cause. Too often when we see pictures and those sort of things in hurricanes, we focus on the wind. How strong is the wind? You know, what's the peak wind? How big's the wind field? Where's it going to make landfall and the strongest winds will be around that? That wasn't, you know, fortunately for, for Texas, that occurred, that landfall occurred in a less heavily populated area. But very often with tropical cyclones across the globe, the real devastation comes from the water. Maybe the pictures from the wind, and this is, it's like a tornado as well. Maybe the pictures of roofs being blown off and that sort of thing makes people focus on the winds with, with hurricanes. And this is something that we've been working to change as meteorologists is to change that message, right? That very often you need to be thinking about what are the water implications. And it's even like here, here you are in Houston. It wasn't like some big, lake burst necessarily and water went flowing down a hill you know that water just rose up and it kept rising up and yeah there were some levee breaks and that sort of thing just like with Katrina in New Orleans but water just rose up and the next thing you know you're, you're trapped and in some cases like I said you know water was moving in a way that it moved some people downstream or whatever it might be but in the case of Houston you don't have that kind of grade of elevation change. And so the, for the most part, it just kept rising and rising and rising. And that water's going to go away. It's going to go down, down, down. And a lot of places are going to look very much like they looked before. Yeah, you might see water flooding lines and that sort of thing. But what that does to, to buildings, you know, thankfully so far, the loss of life has been at a fairly low number. Now, that'll likely change as were able to examine the area and find some people that were missed. But generally speaking, that has not been the biggest problem. But the long-term recovery, it's going to take years. And I was in New Orleans a couple years ago, and that's what they were still talking about is how long it has taken to recover. And this, I you know, want to stop for a moment and say, this is not a Harvey exclusive. We've been watching tremendous monsoon flooding in the area of Mumbai, India. And you don't get as much attention on that in the U.S. news for a variety of reasons, but specifically because Harvey's been going on. But these, in that case, it's taken over a thousand lives. But the force of water, whether it's in, in a monsoon type event or whether it's tropical cyclone, quite often it, it wreaks havoc, it kills people, but you don't always see the damage with water like you do with when strong winds rip things apart. Any case, let's talk about what all this means in terms of, of this event and what it leads to. And as I mentioned, the forecasts were fairly good, but for whatever reason, decisions were not made to for people to evacuate Houston. And, and it's easier said than done when you've got a you know metro area of 5 million plus people. You can't, everybody can't easily just pick up and go. 
And sometimes the people that are in the riskiest areas don't have the means. You know, here for people that are listening globally, and I know I've got a lot of listeners outside the U.S., Houston is not an uncommon U.S. metropolitan area. It's very spread out. And the main transportation modes are cars. Yes, there's some public transport type scenarios, but this is not a dense Europe situation or, or an Asia situation where you have trains and other mechanisms to get people out of harm's way. So it's not always easy for people, particularly with limited means, to just pick up and move or pick up and get out of the way or to have the money to even buy the gas, even if they have a car, to buy the gas tank worth of, of stuff and get supplies and, and get out of the way. It just may not be easily feasible. Now, that gets into the politicizing. It, more than anything, I wish these were the lessons that we learned, right? How could we do a better job of getting people out of harm's way before harm arrives? Because ideally what should have happened is Houston should have been a ghost town. And everybody should have moved on to other locations. Again, easy to say, not always easy to implement. But weather events are very interesting in what they do to us as people, as a society, or as you know, a, the race of humans and how we respond to it. And of course, there's always the political element that goes with that. And some of it is good, and I understand why it happens, and some of it is just, it's just plain annoying. I saw stories run this week about a certain person. I'm not even going to get into names. You guys can Google all this and find it out. certain person and a clothing choice that they made. As you can imagine, high-profile person. And all this time and effort, all the wasted eyeballs, all the wasted text, all the wasted people spending time writing about this topic, who cares? I don't care what your political ideology is. Who cares? Move on to what's important. And this is part of our challenge, right? If, if we as individuals learn something, it's stop clicking on those stories. Stop reading them. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. These stories were showing up in credible news sources. You, I mean, we get in this whole debate about, you know, who's writing the truth or whatever these days. But fundamentally, we create this dilemma because we click on these stupid stories, 15 ways to whatever, whatever, or can you believe so-and-so, so-and-so? We create this environment. Now, it's a vicious cycle because those same organizations have moved to where they get us to do that and write stupid headlines that get us to those stories. So there's blame all the way around. But the first thing you can learn in all this is, Stop paying attention to it. Don't click on the story. Don't give it eyeballs. And if we could do that, a lot of things would change. But this happened in the news side, but there's also on the political side. So one of the first stories that came out was about how we had Sandy a few years ago. And Sandy was an event that impacted the New York City area, New York City metropolitan area, a little south of that more so 
in a lot of ways. It, it made landfall in New Jersey, so south of New York City proper. But there was, again, huge water impacts. Those were the big things. It was about flooding. It was about storm surge. It was all those sort of things. And here in the U.S., there was a bill put forth in our legislative body about relief funds. Now, relief from these type of events takes years, and that's just the nature of things. There's the immediate response, and then there's the long-term recovery. And spending all the money and, and getting everything in place to do that takes a long time. So a bill was created that was going to be involved in this for a long time. And, of course... The political stuff starts right away. Well, this it's this bill is full of port. Essentially, it's full of waste, if you will. Has nothing to do with said event. Now, if you go back and look at the records of it, it seems like most of it had everything to do with it. People are like, "Well, why is this have any? Why is money being spent in Florida? Well, this storm tracked up the east coast of the U.S. Kind of like." Matthew, the storm Matthew did a few years ago. There was a Florida impact and there was a Carolina impact. Very different things, but both had real impacts. And it's not uncommon. But the real rub in this, the reason this story came up was here you had these people from now the area where Harvey has hit that voted against funding this bill. Yet now they were asking for it. And the flip side of it was, oh, can you believe blah, blah, blah? Now they need money, blah, 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 blah. So here we are. People have died. People lost everything. And, and again, Harvey is just one example. Sandy was another. The flooding in Mumbai, another thing. I, I can go on and on and on. And while I can speak to the U.S. politics, and I know that weather gets politicized, I have to imagine it happens in other places too. It may not be the same way because the political structure may be different. But weather gets politicized because it's always an easy scapegoat. Supposedly we have no control over it, so therefore it's easy to blame the weather. No matter which side you take in the debate, what you can't debate is, oh, this is one of those sort of events. We had no control over it. It's not like we could have anything to do with it. So it happens. And it happens every time we have one of these events. And this other podcast I was talking about was, I was you know, talking to him, telling him I was going to do this sort of thing. And he's like, yeah, this is not the time to politicize. And this is somebody who does a politically oriented podcast, mind you. And I agree with him that in the short term, we should never see news about political things or who's wearing what to whatever. The focus should be on how can you help. But again, we'll have to drive that change. But whether it's the science angle, and I've seen that too, the debate about the connection between hurricanes and climate change and those sort of things, a worthwhile conversation and on a separate listserv with scientists I've been watching that debate unfold and it's been a very engaged and interesting dialogue and that's fine for that group but I've watched the stories out there and I'm just in disbelief at some of the things that are said and I know with so many of these things people's intentions are good but 
what people are basing their their comments on and that sort of thing, it, I just don't even know where to go with it sometimes. So there is good, right? It brings attention in a, in a conversation to a topic. The question is going to be, is it the right topic? And are we debating the things that we need to? Because one of the challenges in with Houston in particular is just land use. And where is the water going to go? And that's a very specific urban planning type of issue, completely separate from the event that happened and the science around that event. It has to do how we deal with when weather gives us a certain event. So it's about mitigation. It's about planning. And these are also all difficult topics because they're long-term topics. And this is the other challenge with these extreme events is both the planning for dealing with it and the planning for dealing with an aftermath if it happens and it's more extreme than what we even plan for are all long-term issues. But this also highlights both the good and bad in us as people. One of the things, you know, I mentioned that whether people kind of take off their political hat, us, I think, as people do in some ways, because we tend to donate to these types of events. You know, all of a sudden we open our checkbooks or our credit cards or whatever it is, and we give to relief from these because we look at this and we go, this is nobody's fault. Let's help. And that's the, the, what I love about humanity is when we take those steps. I wish it would do that more often when we want to politicize an event and stop looking at there, there's, a, there's a time to look at the cause and what you can do around the cause, but there's also just a time to help. And so I love when these events encourage us to help, and I wish we did this with more things. I wish it didn't take travesty for us to help. But it is that reminder, and that's a good thing. And, you know, there's the old adage that there's the only bad PR is no PR. So despite it being a horrible human story, if people come together and become stronger for it and do donate and do reevaluate how they're looking at a situation, those are all good things. But as I said, there's also the bad that comes with it. Which is, too often the attention gets turned to the wrong thing. A debate about, well, you didn't fund mine, I'm not going to fund yours. We also get off target, as I said, with a response. We should be focused on what we know we can change the best we can. And investing in the things to help our understanding of the weather of the long-term climate that have those dialogues, have those debates, it's all fine. But it highlights the need to continue to put emphasis on those things. But stop being focused on, well, this is my side, that's your side. Step back for a moment. Stop worrying about the win, which is what too often politics is about, and get back to what it should be, which is about the people. So in some ways, I completely agree with that fellow podcaster that said, this is not the time to politicize it, and I tend to agree with that. However, I'm a firm believer in that the attention, you don't get it for a long time. 
two weeks from now, three weeks from now, people, you won't have people opening their checkbook and opening their PayPal account or pulling out that credit card, whatever it is. So in some ways, you've got to strike while the fire is hot. So I guess I take the political things and I go, well, at least the event is getting a focus. But I too wish, I too wish that if you want to take and make something a political football, make it about how much more we should give as opposed to whether we should give or not, whether we should care or not. I read a headline that said, natural disasters make everybody socialist. And this was, again, referring to a a very conservative political person here in the U.S. And I don't think it makes us socialist. I think it reminds us that we're all in this together. And this event is just one more example of how we're all in this together. So every now and then, Quit rattling your saber and be motivated from what comes from your heart. So have you helped? Have you helped the victims of Harvey? Have you helped the flooding victims in Mumbai? You know, I we get every time I think I'm going to be talking about Patreon. I, I stop because it's a reminder that this is more important. I'm going to put links to different ways you can help. And there's even checkers on who's credible and who's not. So I've included some of those links. And I don't care what your political spectrum position is. I've put links to both conservative and liberal sources, news sources, where they have pages to say, here's where you can go help. So no excuses, people. No matter your ideology, step back, pause, ask what you can do to help. And do it because you want to, not because you get some dopamine hit just like playing social media stuff all the time. Give what you can. Help in whatever way you can. If you can't do it financial, try to figure out another way. At some time in your life, it's likely you'll need someone else's help. So take a moment and try to help them. All right? All right. Enough of the heavy. Enough of the heavy. I just, again, this one was, this one was close to home for me. All right. So I want to follow up for a moment a little bit on the eclipse stuff. <laughs> Close it out. Let our emotions run out a little bit. And someone asked me, with all the eclipse stuff going on, how long have we been able to forecast eclipse? And to some degree, we've been able to do it for a couple thousand years. Now, the, the challenge was the people that were forecasting understood what are, what are called the Saros or Saros cycles. And they knew eclipse were, eclipses were happening, but because they weren't happening in their location, they didn't fully understand it. So they were able to accurately forecast how often these events took place with our understanding of orbits and what was going on. 
but they couldn't necessarily put the position because they didn't fully understand, you know, the earth was round sort of thing. We get back into that kind of challenge, right? So just know we've been able to do it a long time. And I'll put a link in so you can read about the, the cycles there. The other story, uh, you've heard me, you guys heard me this with this stuff before. Conspiracy theories, I, I enjoy them. But seriously, folks, we are not going to have 15 days of darkness in November. Again, the fact that credible people have to write about this, or even talking about it here. People, do your own fact-checking. Man, if someone says there's going to be 15 days of darkness, I, I mean, seriously, just common sense it for a moment. 15 days of darkness. Don't you think that if it were real, again, that news sources on both sides of the political spectrum or wherever you are in the world that as close as you can find the independent, again, it would be it would be in every mainstream media outlet that if, if North America was going to experience this total darkness, it's like, come on, people. Really? Again, the fact that I, credible scientists I know had to write to refute this because they were being asked this thing, this incredible to me. Incredible. And did you know that radars also have a cone of silence? I'll get into that a little more another time, but that's something that was a topic with students this week. It's, Anybody watch Get Smart knows what the cone of silence, the real cone of silence is. I'm just kidding, but it's an interesting phenomenon that has to do with radars. But we'll we'll dive into that a little more another time. I appreciate you being patient through this sort of heavy topic. And like I said, I, I would ask that if you do anything this week, it's go out and provide support for those that are truly in need. All right. You know how to get hold of me. What is it about the weather? Gmail.com, or you can go to what is it about the weather.com slash contact. RSVP method. Don't forget about it. Rate, share, validate, and pledge. And to that pledge point, I'm not going to get in on the Patreon thing big this week, but you know, I'm going to start doing things from time to time for the patrons. Because that really is appreciated. Give them some exclusives. And you know, it may be exclusive for a period of time, whatever. But I'm gonna throw the Eclipse album that I put together photo-wise out there into the patron stream and make it just for the patrons, at least for now. Yeah, it may open up someday, but maybe that's a little motivation at some point to, to consider making that step. But until next time, folks, until next time, as we all know, and as this topic pointed out oh so well, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. This is a two-white production. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather.